This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan. And that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of The Crowncast. And I really thought I'd have more for you, but uh, Charlotte FC making all the moves. As, as the Crowncast has gone on and once we started it, we decided that we were going to really try our best not to be tabloid journalists, that we weren't going to hop on whatever random trend popped up. We were going to wait till we had data or evidence, and today we're going to throw all that out the window, and here to throw things out the window with me is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, hello. And Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Uh, Ewan, I have come to learn that apparently you have a minors in throwing things out the window. Is that correct? <laughs> is, is that an American terminology of minors? Is that a minors majors? Is that qualifications? You know what? I don't really know. I kind of made it up on the spot. So <laughs> take whatever qualification you want for it, man. I'll agree. Hey, listen, you, you tell me jump. I'll say how high. Uh, whatever you say goes. <laughs> We, we all know that's a lie. Um, we do have a couple of things uh, to go on. I, first and foremost, we hope that you enjoyed your Martin Luther King Day. Uh, if you are a listener across the seas, you may not have had that particular holiday off. If you are a listener here in North America, specifically the United States of America, it's a pretty important day for us. It's one of the days that most people uh, are not expected to attend work. And it's a time where we are uh, supposed to reflect on how we've gotten to where we are and how we can continue to improve as a society and a people. So whatever you manage to do, whether you use that time for your friends, your family, or yourself, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We do have a bit of sad news to get to, and that is we are approaching the, the anniversary of the passing of Anton Walks. If you have not seen it, Charlotte FC has encouraged everyone to join them in a celebration of his life uh, by attending uh, a, a short event is probably too strong of a way to say it. They have encouraged people to come out and leave flowers, say your, your words of best wishes, uh, whatever, you, whatever helps you remember Anton Walks. And if you're looking for the information on that, you can go and you can find it online. Charlotte FC has released it. All of the big uh, supporters groups have released the information. But that is happening Friday, January 19th. So if you have the time, if you feel so inclined, please go out remember a great man and a member of the MLS, not just Charlotte FC. So now that the kind of down stuff is out of the way, Josh, should we start to talk about the amazing transfer plan? Yeah, there's been so much happening. It's, it's kind of hard to keep it all, tr- and, you know, in one place in your head. It's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of ingoings, outgoings, money changing hands, gam, tam, all of those things are happening elsewhere in the league outside of charlotte (laughs) elsewhere in the league which we actually are going to talk about a little bit but i have a question for you uh, for both of you really but i'm going to start with josh on this one and that is did charlotte find themselves the victim of the perfect plan because if you look at it we got a new coach in big new coach you know fits the profile well everybody really liked him had we gone and we splashed 7.5 million Dollars, which I think Charlotte thought it would have gotten the deal done for Albert Grombeck. Had we gone and splashed that immediately as soon as the window opened, then it's game on. We know we have a couple of extra uh, slots for people to come over from overseas that we have acquired. 
there was probably a lot more stuff on this perfect path of Charlotte. And I'm starting to wonder if the linchpin in the perfect path was Albert Grombeck. <laughs> we basically said, hey, here's $9.5 million. We're going to blow our transfer record and your transfer record out of the water. Just take the deal. And I, if at some point in time, Bodo Glimt went, wait a minute. You really need this guy, don't you? Josh, wh- how are you looking at it? Um, I am going to give them a little bit of time still. I know it's the 17th. I know the window is closing sooner rather than later. I always want to give a club the benefit of the doubt and say, like, you wait till the window closes to truly judge how it goes. I will say, I think Ewan alluded to this last pod about sometimes teams transfer plans sort of get derailed by one by hyper focusing on one player and and i hope that's not what this is i'm going to choose to look at this from a glass half full perspective and say that i think it's a good sign that we didn't have necessarily a ton of new players coming in right after we hired dean smith because i i would worry personally that that shows that we're picking players outside of the coach so the fact that you have a little bit of time in between I think if you look at it that way, you have to hope that it's because they're conversing with Dean Smith. They're trying to figure out who he likes on this club, who he doesn't, and where he wants to improve. And if you look at it like that, then maybe that still gives you hope that they're just being very particular in this window rather than shotgun approach. Um, and I would always prefer my club to to be doing that. Of course, that may change if it's December or January 30th, sorry. And we've still yet to sign or sell anyone. <laughs> yeah, something that, uh, you know, you found from The Athletic was that apparently the player did actually want to come to Charlotte. This has come out more recently than our last episode and was not happy the bid was rejected. Uh, Grombeck 22 is a rising star and wants now apparently to come to Charlotte FC and has asked the club to to be more reasonable in letting him go. I don't know whether Charlotte are going to come back with more money. I think they expected 9.5 to just get it done. I think they thought that was a, we give you this money, you go, wow, thank you very much, and it's done two days later. Ewan, with what you've seen coming out of this, do you think that you know we are going to put another offer out to Bodo Glimt? And if so, are they going to be inclined to take that one? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a third offer. I think for teams who compete at this level and compete within this kind of market with this kind of money, it is it is almost a three strikes, you're out kind of business, whereby you do usually get to that third offer when it comes to players that you are really interested in. Um, the The question would be how much more is that offer compared to, like, will it be another 2 million jump from when it went from 7.5 to, uh, to 9.5, the most recent offer? I think what's interesting is that when you think about football on like an elite European level, you get these, you know, single-eyed, you know, targets where it's like, we absolutely want this player. And that's kind of what we have with Gronbeck. You can tell that they've identified him and it's like, we absolutely want this player and they have a real focus on getting him. But when you think about how that happens at an elite European level, there's almost not a ceiling that you can really go through with it. If you're talking about that kind of talent, you can keep going higher and keep going higher because ultimately they're a mercurial talent who can fulfill a role that not many people in the world can do. When you're talking about a club like Charlotte and that 
bid getting higher and higher? When do you eventually get to the point of, okay, we've scouted this player a lot. We've talked to his representatives a lot. We know a lot about him. But are we now crashing through a ceiling which then goes through the floor of other talents where it's like, okay, well, we actually like this player better, even though we maybe haven't done as much work on him. But if we're going to spend 10 million, I'd rather spend it on this player who we did a little bit of profiling with. We sent our specific scouts out on this guy. So now we're moving on. That's where I think this is at now. I, I think we're at a, it, it said it's, it said it's breaking point now. Like this has to get serious movement on their end or, or ours or on the players, whatever it may be within the next, I would say, by the end of the of the weekend, or else we really need to start moving on. We need to start getting our transfer window moving in other directions because Josh alluded to what we said last week. This could easily derail an entire transfer window, which can then derail an entire season. Yeah, it easily can do that. Uh, I think kind of the only other quote-unquote news we have as far as transfers are concerned is uh, we have a couple of links like a new signing players that we will likely see in some unconfirmed reports. Oh, that just makes me twitch talking about it. Um, but some unconfirmed reports have said that potentially Nikola Pekovic has a new number and that that could be a signal that he's going to be a part of the first team, which I have to admit, if he's gotten a new number, that's probably a signal that he's going to be part of the first team and I think it was always intended for him to move up in 2024. I don't think himself or the club wanted him to stay at Legacy for another year. Uh, but there are talks of Nikola Pekovic, Jao Pedro, and Tuchuro Dunze all moving up. Two of them, keep in mind, none of this is confirmed. It is theoretically possible that all three of them could still be with Crown Legacy next year. Two of them, Tuchuro Dunze and Nikola Pekovic, I think were signed to hang out there until they could move up in 2024. Josh, would you say those two are that's that was their course the whole time? Vich for sure for me. I, I think that is the hope with Adunze. I will say I'm still just more reticent on him because he's such a young goalkeeper, but the athletic and physical profile is that of a freak <laughs> and in a good way. Um, so I think the hope was always that he would move up. Um, and again, longtime listeners will know that I am a height snob when it comes to goalkeepers. So he definitely has me excited. Yeah, uh, I think when you look at his background, when you look at his size, I think he was always going to be a shot that was intended to say you could be the next great thing. If anyone is going to kick Christian Kalina out of the goal, that we currently possess at Charlotte FC or or Crown Legacy, it's going to be this guy. I don't, especially with the moving of Pablo Cisniega, I, I don't see anybody else coming to take that crown, if you will. You and thoughts on these guys? Um, well, João Pedro, I like. I can't say too much on him. I, I don't have too many gathered thoughts on him. I hear a lot of good things, so I'm almost happy to co-sign that as someone who, okay, if he's you know trading with the first team. I'm I'm happy to just wait and see what happens there. Petkovic is someone who I've watched a lot of, and I almost, the further I get away from when I watch him, I get more into those cliches of, okay, young, develop, he's come to a, a country far away from his home and everything like that. Like, just let him come along slowly. And then when I watch him, and I'm near around the time when I've done some deep diving on him, I'm like, we should have seen this guy last year. <laughs> he's just, I, I, 
I think there's so much quality there. I, I think he should probably be, and we'll get onto this a little bit. I do think he should probably be with the roster currently constructed starting for the first game of uh, of the uh, of the MLS season when it comes around. Um, goalkeeper wise, Adunze is an interesting one. I think that's the one where I've watched him, and I feel a little bit fifty fifty on him. Just from what I've watched, I'm no goalkeeper expert and there's not a lot of footage available to him. But you do get, off the back of that size, which is enticing, a little bit of awkwardness with his feet. And that's not even from an in-possession perspective of him playing out with the ball. I think what happens when you're a very tall goalkeeper sometimes is that you have a, a, a difficulty saving low shots. That That's not rocket science. But it's almost the choice of like going for a ball, which might be only two yards away from your feet with your hands, like having like deciding that you're going to go for it with your hands and making that long laboring dive down to try and make that save rather than knowing that you can just stick a foot out and, and, and stop the ball that way. So he, he almost needs a lot of technical work. It's almost like a, it's like an NBA draft pick where you get a guy where it's like, okay, there's a lot of technical stuff that we need to work on here, but you can't teach that kind of size. And I get why they would have made a a gamble on this kind of player. And the best way to try and develop that technical ability, I do think sometimes, is probably throwing him in at the deep end, which is first-team practice reps. Not throwing him in in terms of actually starting games, but getting him those minutes with the first team. They'll be willing to give him advice. But also on top of that, training with the uh, first-team goalkeepers, they'll be willing to help him as well. So... I'm happy with all three of these. Petkovic is the one I'm most excited for, but I do think for all three of these, I'm happy to say that this is probably the right move for each to get them in the first team picture. Yeah, I think getting them in the picture is a big deal. I think all three of them probably deserve it. How many of them are going to make an immediate impact on the squad? I would argue probably one. Josh, does one one sound fair to you? Uh, yes, and it's Petkovic. Yeah, I tried to imply that, but I'm not particularly good at it. <laughs> what uh, I, I will say is that Charlotte FC, not a lot of transfer news, not a lot of incomings, not a lot of outgoings. Obviously, Gaines and Pablo being, I think, the only two. Am I missing one, Ewan? Uh, in terms of major, that that's kind of where yeah. we're at. There was also there was those release players, but I don't think that really shocked anyone. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't so think that. That's kind of where we're at the moment. What we can do is we can look around the league and see how the league is doing and see, you know, was there stuff to be doing in this early January time or has this kind of been the state of play across the board? So we've all kind of got a few things we can talk about. The one I'm going to talk about is the effect of the media and how much the media's power has grown over the game. There is a guy out there named Tom Bogert who is quite good at reporting on football in general. He has some very good connections, and if you've never seen his Twitter, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. It's probably worth your checking out. He tweeted out a player by the name of Joseph Paintsill, and he tweeted out his little uh, his graph, his bars, if you will, and this guy's in the 99th percentile for everything attacking. On the bars, you would say, what does a perfect player look like? And it's this guy as far as wingers are concerned. And he tweeted out, he said, this guy is, is tearing it up in his league. He's a Ghanaian player, a winger. Any MLS team could go out and they could trigger his 
release clause at 8.5 million, and he would probably be a steal at 8.5 million. One day later, LA Galaxy is linked with this guy. There's a part of me that says, you know what? I haven't done a deep dive on him, but his numbers do look good. He looks like a good winger. I think that you can look at the, his time in international football, and you can say he's been linked with players like Thomas Party, who are very, very good midfielders in the world when they're healthy. So he's probably had people behind him helping him get those progressive passes received, etc. But that can also mean he's learned how to do it with the best players in the world. Is this guy a good grab? I really don't know. And at 8.5 million, that's a million less than we just got rejected for Albert Grombeck. Uh, you and I know you, you know a little, little bit about this guy. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm familiar with the player uh, just based off of scouting him due to other links. Uh, like you say, once you get put into that high profile churn, um, it does happen that you do you are coincidentally linked to uh, teams that, that maybe will be throwing an agent a favor in hopes of returns <laughs> of other things later down the line. Um, and he was linked to a few European clubs um, over last summer, uh, six months ago. So it did pique my interest. And I was like, okay, let me take a look at this guy just not overly enamored with his game. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think too much of it. And I don't rule the roost of of whether players are actually good or not. But when you take the interest of a player, you look at them and it doesn't quite match up. It it does just on an individual analysis level make you think, okay, what's happening here? Is this, you know, is this a real agent push job? Is this a player who, like you say with Tom Bogut's report, has those green bars coming up on on websites like FB Ref and and his you know, just general numbers coming up well and and he's thinking and his agent, his team are thinking, okay, like, let's make sure we cash on this while we can because there's a bit of modesty there as to this might be the one opportunity with things having fallen right the last season that I've just played for me to get a good, uh, you know, make a cash grab here and, and and make a lot of money based off of a season where maybe I was running a little bit hot, um, so to speak. So, yeah, I I get what you're getting at there, and I think you've almost chosen, in my opinion, kind of a perfect player to illustrate it in terms mm-hmm. of Paintsville. He's currently playing for uh, for Ghana at, uh, at the African Cup of Nations. He started their last game. Um, they they uh, lost to uh, to to Cape Verde, which uh, I think was a little bit of a shock. Um, so yeah, if you want to check him out yourself, I imagine he'll continue to play in those games. But yeah, for me, there was a little bit of a weird matchup in terms of the interest. The teams that were interested, the money that was rumored, and the actual quality of the player. So, yeah, this is this is kind of uh, th- this is real transfer window, you know, chicanery stuff. <laughs> if if perhaps, uh, perhaps some tomfoolery, if you will. Exactly, exactly. It's all you know. We. It's kind of why I wish you know you would almost just get the list of who's where. And, and and then you could get on with it because uh, people like Fabrizio Romano now allow this kind of stuff to happen and have, have amplified it. But listen, good luck to him. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it all works out. And uh, yeah, all I'll say is that if Charlotte FC were linked with him uh, to the money that's being rumoured, I wouldn't want that transfer to go through. <laughs> <laughs> then that would be one you would say is probably a thumbs down transfer. Uh, Josh, let's go to you. Around the league, what mm-hmm. has what has interested you in January? So obviously we're a Charlotte FC podcast and that is our main focus. But when you talk about wanting a club to grow, you also have to talk, I think, about wanting the league that they're situated in. 
to grow. And for Charlotte, that's MLS. The biggest competitor, I think, immediate competitor for for MLS is probably the Mexican League. Um, it's a league that, you know, we have a new tournament with. Um, there are historic rivalries between the U.S. national team and the Mexican national team. Um, and I think if MLS wants to become the league that it wants to become, it's going to need to eventually surpass the Mexican League in terms of reputation. So there were two transfers that caught my eye. One was Brandon Vasquez, the Cincinnati striker going to Monterey. Uh, and then Cade Caldwell, who is a young 20-year-old rising uh, U.S. international um, going to Chivas. And to be honest, those hurt a little bit. I'm not the biggest Brandon Vasquez fan when it comes to international play, but I admit that I think he's a really good MLS player. Last year was not as good as the year before as far as goal returns go, but you're talking about one of the most recognizable players in this league. Um, Caldwell is a little bit more under the radar. He played for San Jose. A lot of Charlotte fans probably didn't see him. I know I'm more familiar with him due to his international appearances where he looked young but bright. Um, but you have basically an established MLS star and a rising MLS star leaving the MLS, not for Europe, but for the Mexican League. And the money that those teams received was very good, and I know that plays into it. But from a purely let's drive this league forward so that Charlotte can be driven forward as well, it was disappointing to see. And it's something that I was hoping... MLS was sort of getting over the hump with. And if I'm sort of taking a broad view of this league, it worries me a little bit because these are also not old guys. Vasquez, even though he's established, I believe is only like 25. Again, Caldwell's 20. So these are guys who are not even necessarily in their prime, young, good players who are leaving MLS. And for a league that, yes, is better, but not to the extent of a big European league where it's more understandable. Yeah, from the outside in, it gives the image of this is Liga Mekis going in and taking hot talent out of the MLS, which I would personally kind of prefer it be the other way around because I support Charlotte FC and I want this club and, and this league to go on and grow to its, to its highest potential. I think it's a really good shout out. Off mic, you asked me, you were like, can I be kind of negative about something? And I was like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm excited for this. Ewan, you are well known for just never being negative. So uh, what do you have for us on January's transfers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm kind of fascinated with uh, with a couple of things. And I think I've mentioned before, I mean, I've mentioned it kind of just there. Uh, in terms of the goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper position, I'm not overly versed in it. I don't, you know, I think it's probably the area of football where I know the least in a weakest at analyzing it and, and projecting it and things like that. So I'm, I'm fascinated with, um, with, with Zach Steffen going back to Colorado. Um, I'm wondering if when it comes to the goalkeeper position, people talk, you know, if you, if you're playing at this level, yeah, you can make it there. And if you go down to this level, oh, you'd be really good there. But if you go up to this level, you know, you might struggle. I think with the goalkeeper position, maybe that applies less than any other position. And he's someone who, Obviously went to Manchester City, didn't quite make the grade there, but then played for Middlesbrough in the championship and played a lot of games. But I, I watched him live and watched him a lot on, on television as well and, and just kind of analysing games. It was pretty underwhelming. 
And I'm kind of interested to see if someone who has gone on this journey career-wise, if, if he's going to come to MLS and, and be a difference maker in a positive way, or whether it is a case where it comes to goalkeeper position that sometimes when you get that downwards trajectory or, or you know things don't happen for you, it doesn't really matter too much past a certain floor what level you are at. If you're playing at a decent enough level and you can't judge things properly and you can't sweep as well as you once did and you get a little bit of you know apprehension, whether that can really kind of set you on a really negative uh, long-term path. So I, I'm I'm fascinated from that. From you know, like like you would say, quite quite a negative uh, standpoint as to how it's going to go. Um, but I, I think it's going to be very informative. I, I think that's it's one of the signings where it's less, oh, you know, let's see how he does. Let's look at the tactical stuff. It's almost more me trying to think of it from a player development standpoint of like, this is going to be fascinating to see how he so, does. So you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you just for a moment because I know Josh wants in on this one. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Colorado in general is a fascinating team to see how their team shapes up this year. Um, they have been very active in addition to Stefan, they've gone and gotten Andrew Gutman. They've went and got Jordi Mihailovic, who we talked about a little while ago. Yeah, It very much, to be honest, reminds me a little bit of Toronto's offseason prior to last season. And Toronto did not have a good season. Um, so I, I, think, I think Colorado could and Toronto from last season shows while having nothing happen like Charlotte is <laughs> in an offseason can be a bad thing doing too much is not necessarily a sign that you're doing the right thing either. Um, but again, they are, they are going to be a fascinating team. They've been very, very active. Um, probably what a lot of Charlotte fans want, but a lot of it is, I wouldn't say retreads, but um, some, some, some gambles as, as Ewan was alluding to. Ewan, anything you want to wrap up there? Uh, no, I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I agree from the perspective of, and listen, there's been plenty of transfer windows which have been busy and turned out well. Um, but from that squad building perspective, sometimes when you know you, you can throw in a player like that amongst other things, you know, if if you're going to say, oh, we've you know these players, it's it's, it's organic. We signed this guy a year ago. Now we're bringing him up. Everything like that. Um, but yeah, Colorado, it's a lot of noise and. It seems like it's all been fairly well received from what I can just see from the from the bare minimum of the Twitter replies to the announcements of this stuff. But yeah, Toronto as a comparison is a really good, a really good shout, a really good comparison because I think they were pretty happy with what the, the business they were doing. But ultimately if it's a lot going on and things don't start well and then there's big personalities there, it's um it, it's very tough to deal with. Um and and almost makes you think from the Charlotte FC perspective, as much as you'd like a bit more noise, is the organic nature of the fact that we've signed so many young players, the fact that we've gone heavy on the draft, and also supplemented that with very experienced players who know their roles and are very good personalities. Almost makes you a little bit optimistic about us. So to bring it full circle and going back to Charlotte FC, maybe just maybe we've got it right from a team building perspective. The talent will show... The coaching will show. We'll wait on all of that. But maybe from a team building perspective, it's easy to look at what we've done on paper and say, that makes sense. Whereas with what Colorado are doing, it's certainly got a, a direction, but 
maybe it doesn't make as much sense in practice. So you you make a statement there that maybe just maybe we've done it right. And my response would be, I think if we've done it right, just by dumb, by straight up, we if uh, Grombeck was the go-get, hopefully we would have gotten him by now. That yeah. being said, from the rest of the team building perspective, we are currently looking at, again, we don't have anything confirmed. This man is not at Charlotte FC to our knowledge. We are looking at an incoming technical director named Tommy Wilson. This guy is interesting to us because he's coming to us potentially. God, so it's so annoying to have to add that to everything. Let's just let's just go ahead and say that everything I'm saying about Tommy Wilson has the potential <laughs> tag attached to it, so I don't have to keep doing it. You guys think that's fair, Josh? Yes. Yeah. Easier, okay. easier that way. Um, we we have we've said the caveat. Trust in the caveat. Now. This guy comes from Philadelphia Union, who has a huge history of going out and finding young, talented players and developing them well in-house. If you were going to say what is the outstanding thing that Dean Smith does, it's a history of finding young, talented players and developing them well in-house. I can see how, especially when we go and we get Tiger Smalls, when we get some of the other guys that we picked up in the, the Super Draft, when we have players like Erwin Vargas, when we have a, a lot of exciting young attacking threat that is coming up and you are potentially having Nikola Petkovic, you are potentially bringing in an Albert Grombeck, I can see how all of this stuff aligns really well where we find these young guys, we bring them in, we give them to Dean Smith, Dean Smith turns them all into 100 million players, we all leave Charlotte FC rich. I can see that happening, but if we were going to hold off on doing transfers, it might be, you know, we had one big target that we knew. This was a home run. We knew we wanted Albert Grombeck. But everybody sort of behind that, maybe we want Tommy Wilson to come in and have a say on who actually gets into this club. If that's the case, I would have liked to have seen the Tommy Wilson deal done a, a little bit earlier Josh, I'll go to you for this. Do you think there's some some holding off from the club so Tommy might be able to have his say? I'm not sure I see that necessarily because I think when you're hiring a person in that position, it, it's it's more of a long-term view. And so you're looking at multiple windows for him to come in. I agree if it's something that is reported, you want it. I would like it to be done quicker quickly after it's reported rather than what's happened here, which is this report came out, I think four or five days ago, and, and you haven't really heard anything about it. I, I do just want to say, if this comes to fruition, I would personally be very, very excited about it. I've long held that Philadelphia is the club model that Charlotte should be following. Yes, Philadelphia is a well-known city, but it is not a city that has the attractiveness, inherent attractiveness of a New York, a Miami, or a Los Angeles but they are consistently excellent in this league and they consistently find international players for fairly cheap who turn out to be really good players. They develop players, they sell players. And that is the model of sustained success I would like to see Charlotte have. So having a guy like Tommy Wilson, who's overseen their academy and, and moved up in that organization, come in and help do the same thing here would actually be a really exciting thing. It would also be a thing that 
we probably wouldn't see the the fruits of his labor for a few years, I think, because it's such a encompassing role. Um, but I think it's something that, if it happens, is is going to be a very good thing for this club. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him come in. Uh, I am going to touch very briefly on the fact that Charlotte FC did release a preseason video where you get to see Dean Smith being a coach, coaching the lads out there on the green grass, boots on the ground, and that's kind of all it is. Uh, I do think it's a, it's a cool little video to go watch, but we had some some people talking to us about like, hey, what did you think of the video? I think Charlotte FC posted a video of Dean Smith talking to the guys. And uh, not that not that we don't know what goes on there, but, you know, he talks about the mentality of the players and that the, the most important date in their mind right now should be should be the, the first game of the season and everything builds up to all that. And that's just, in my opinion, sort of all good textbook stuff. So uh, we didn't get a video of Dean Smith, like burning anything down. And therefore, no news is kind of good news as far as I'm concerned. Ewan, should we be reading into this video at all? <laughs> I mean, it was good to see him out there and just kind of get that. Oh, it's it's he's in the Charlotte uh, FC gear and everything like that. It's just you know, it's nice to see it. I I loved it. I I loved the start of it because it, it I he's such a like a coach's coach. It's so good. Like because I've said that doing coaching stuff to like youth groups. Like, what are we looking to get out of today? And then the first answer being enjoyment. It's like yeah, that that's it's it's all textbook stuff. It's so good. Like it's. It's uh, I I loved it from that perspective. I loved it from that perspective because, like you say, it's nothing that you can really read that much into. It's all you know, first day stuff. It's like you're barely even going to be kicking the ball. It's it's a lot of you know, get the bleep tests in, see where everyone's at, see who enjoyed their off season, see who you know got locked in and was ready for this. Uh, was was kind of had their pre season before pre season and everything like that. So there's not too much you can read into it at this point, but. Yeah, it's um, it's just harmless stuff, and and yeah, I, <laughs> I, I found a little bit of joy in it in that because it's like you know, no matter what level that you're at, there's there's always coachisms which are going to find their way into those uh, those situations. So yeah, I, I I found it fairly endearing from that perspective. So uh, what we're going to do now for time is we're going to jump ahead and we're going to do a little bit of how we think this is our way too early, way too early. We're going to do a way too early predictions thing because we do that so that we can look back and hate ourselves later. But <clears throat> we're going to do a way too early look at how Charlotte FC could line up. And we're each going to try and pick five or six players that we think will be there in the starting 11 for our first game this season. And uh, we're going to see whether or not anything comes of it. We haven't discussed these between each other. Uh, that's not true. Technically, we discussed one player very briefly between each other. Beyond that, we haven't discussed this. So we'll see if we have some differing opinions and, and thoughts and ideas. Josh, I'm going to jump to you for this one. Who do you think? Try, try and get me six. And if you, yeah. get me, if you get me more, great. But try and get me six. I have exactly six who I think will be in the starting lineup. Uh, they are Christian Kalina, Nathan Byrne, Adilson Melanda, uh, Urinin, Diagre, and Ashley Westwood. Um, right. Give me those one more time. So we got uh, Kalina, Nathan Byrne, Melanda, Urinin, uh, Westwood, and Diagre. All right. Okay. Um, 
I did just take some very brief notes there, and anyone who can see my computer screen would be offended at how poorly I spelled everyone's names. Uh, I, I think a lot of those make sense. I'm interested to see you kind of went for a lot of the defensive side. You've got Kalina, Byrne, Melanda, mm -hmm. and Udonin all in your starting 11. You think the, the, the defense of Charlotte FC is going to remain mostly the same? I do. I, I think... I think I'm really excited to see what Dean Smith does with Adilson Melanda because I'm still very high on him, but I think we saw more of the rough edges last year than we did in his cameo appearance his first year. With Byrne and Urinen, I just, they're two veterans, established guys who have been around the block, so to speak, and it, it just feels like something where he's going to come in and lean on them to do a job. I'm hesitantly excited if i can say that about burn under dean smith for the simple fact that i cannot forget how good he looked for his first six games in his cameo and i wonder if getting back to playing a more traditional fullback role lets us see that player rather than the one we saw last year um I don't pretend to say that any of these guys will be the starter the entire year, except probably Westwood and Melanda. I, I do think that those two will be. But everyone else, I just think, offers a lot of veterans who, in a new system, can probably pick it up fairly quickly and easily and do what he's looking for initially. Okay. Sounds good to me. Ewan, who are your at least six that you think will be starting? <laughs> I think that, well, I have a lot of agreement there with Josh um, across the board. You know, Kalina, I think unless there's any movement with goalkeeper, will play. Lander, I think, will play. Westwood, I think, will play. Erinin, I think, will play. There's little bits there that I, I think there's there's players where I'm a little bit interested to see what happens with them. Josh men mentions there Nathan Byrne playing a conventional right-back role and, and the fascination with that. And and I, I do agree with that. I, I think that him getting that audition in preseason and just playing there generally, hopefully we'll get the best out of him. But I'm also that also is the almost an exact reason of why I'm quite fascinated with what happens with Jalen Lindsay. I'm excited to see what happens there. And that could maybe be a fun battle that gets reported on in camp uh, from the people who have that availability just to see what happens. Because I think Jalen Lindsay has almost got the exact player that a Dean Smith type coach would help written all over him. You know, a, a fairly young player who has all the tools, who you know has maybe lost their way a little bit, and just needs that kind of coach who is obsessed with player development uh, for for youngsters, who will get his arm over the shoulder and and give him that kind of help. It's uh, on paper, it almost seems like a perfect match for someone that he could give a lot of help to. So, I'd be interested to see if he's someone who he you know sort of puts you know puts his neck on the line to a little bit and says this is going to be my guy there's too much there there's too much physical tools i'm going to ride with him the other player from almost a more direct i think he will absolutely start the first game and be in the first team plans perspective i think is bronico i think brant bronico is someone who as the season went on last year we kind of moved away from we were getting away from the idea of okay if we want to get to where we want to get to this is probably a player who we might have to leave in the uh, in the rearview mirror if we are going to keep climbing up the conference standings and get to where we want to get to. But I think Dean Smith, at least early, will be enamoured by him. I think the way he wants to play out of possession and the intensity that he wants to play with, that press, I think he will absolutely, you know, I think he'll absolutely think 
if I want to get this across early and set the standards and do exactly what we want to start with, this is someone who I'm probably going to go with to just give an example to everyone else of, okay, if you are going to play, this is what you have to do. And that's that's why Bronico has got a game under Miguel Angel Ramirez. That's why he got a game under Christian Latanzio. And that's why I'm predicting that he'll get a game under under Dean Smith because when it comes to coaches, we can theorise players who are a little bit more exciting with the ball and everything like that. Coaches want you to do exactly what they can set out that you should do. And that's what Brant Bronico does. And I think Dean Smith, at least early, will have him in the starting lineup for those first few games. And so what you two have done is you've come up with really well-backed, intelligent six-player lists of people who are probably going to be in the starting 11. And there's not too much deviation, and I can understand the arguments for all of that. What I'm going to do is come up with six players I think could be in the starting 11, but really I'm trying to will this into existence just because I want to see how it turns out. So (laughs) my six are going to be Christian Kalina because Christian Kalina. He's in there. I have to at least make the list realistic, right? And then I'm going to go with uh, Melanda because a young player who I think will benefit from the new system. This is where I start to deviate a little bit from you guys. Oh, that's not true. I'll go ahead one more and I'll say Ashley Westwood. I think Ashley Westwood's going to be in the starting lineup. Then I'm going to go and I'm going to say, I think Nikola Pekovic makes starting lineup. I really, I know I'm higher than some others might be on this player. I don't think he was brought in to sit a bench, and I don't think he was brought in to be at at Crown Legacy. I think they are going to bring him up, and I think they're going to give him a run out, really whether it works in the long term or not. I think he was told he was going to get his chance. I think he's going to get his chance in the beginning of the season. Thank you for being braver than I was with that pick, (laughs) because I wanted to do it. Yeah, uh, I, we, we, I, think we, I think we all want him in there, don't we? It's just about whether we, you know, he'll, it'll actually happen. I think as soon as, if he gets put in that starting lineup or if the lineup's happening and he's in there, you're going to get three happy faces here. I, I think that's fair to say. Absolutely. I really wanted to put Albert Grombeck in here. I really, really wanted him to be signed. <laughs> the fact Will it? 9.5 million on him. Just going to write his that, name in the lineup anyway. But like, well, you're playing, so you yeah. better sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the crown cast has said that he's going to be in the starting 11, so you better go You better go start. Because he's not officially a Charlotte FC player yet, even though I really want to do it, I'm going to be even more outlandish. And I am going to say we are going to start Kerwin Vargas. Uh, I, the reason for that is he's a young, dynamic, attacking, high-speed player with a lot of upside potential. And on the wings, we know that Dean Smith wants, uh, wants that, that player out there. The other one I think that is going to be in the starting lineup is Brandon Cambridge. I think he's another young, attacking, interesting player. I think he's probably our most dynamic right winger as of right now, unless we go sign somebody else. I think there's question marks over whether or not uh, Kamil Yuzhviak will be in the team when this time comes. And if Kamil's gone and Brandon Cambridge does the right stuff, I think he has all the tools to get the chance to go out there and show us that he's the guy. Uh, I also think he's just the most direct right-wing goal threat we have. And I think that he's he's going to get benefit from that. Uh, so now that I've probably just gone all the way into Magical Christmas Land playing six, like, total kids and Ashley Westwood, Josh, am I, am I crazy? No. 
I don't think you're crazy. And I, as I interrupted you, I was tempted to put Petkovich on there. If we were talking about, if we were trying to predict who we think will play the most games this season, right? I probably would have been brave enough to pick him because I do think that the plan is to have him play this year, right? You don't spend that much money on a kid and just like not play him for two years. I don't think. Um, I think Vargas Vargas is the one that really stands out to me. He was close for me because I do look at our wings and I'm like, if not Vargas, who? I mean, I made the argument basically, basically my lineup is argument of experience over youth with the exception of Melanda. And so maybe you say someone like Justin Merrim, if we re-sign him, is he still out of contract, I guess? I I think if we look at that left wing and anybody else is coming on, it's Breck Diagona. But I think... The club want Brecht yeah. to be an impact guy, especially at his age. I think they want 30 minutes of, you have no idea what's coming because we've got a killer off our bench, not the starter. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Discussion for another day. I think I disagree on his playing time. Anyways, I think Vargas is the good shout, though. Um, I do think that he has a a strong inside track to to be a starter on the wing. And I actually think it helps him that he has played extensively on both wings. So there is a little bit of flexibility, I think, with him as far as where he ends up playing, depending on what Dean Smith wants and what he sees in him. Ewan, thoughts on uh, on my crazy lineup? <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... Because what what I'm thinking with mine is is almost trying to put it through the Dean Smith lens of what what I've watched of him and and, and what he tends to like in players. So when it came to the wingers, it was a little bit it was a little bit funny because I'm projecting four two three one, and with that three, it's almost hard to predict whether he's going to go with you know traditional wingers or whether he will go down the Diagra route or even playing someone like Scott Arfield in them roles where it's quite a narrow three so that you can press inside and you can force the ball out wide and do things like that. So I, I kind of left the wingers alone. The fact that you, Vargas, I absolutely would, you know, co-sign that 100%. I, I, I like him a lot. I like a lot about him as a player. And Brandon Cambridge, same again. Love him. Love what he has to offer. I think it was only a few a few pods ago where I was talking a lot about him and why he's just the type of winger I like a lot. I like how methodical he is. I like the fact that he's so two-footed. It's just if you could make a winger in a lab just from a stylistic perspective, it would be Brandon Cambridge. So I, I absolutely co-sign those two. And I almost, I think when people think about those two in their minds, they think Cohen Vargas on the left with Brandon Cambridge on the right because Cohen Vargas has played so much on the left and Brandon Cambridge scored those two goals playing off the right. I almost wonder if that two, and I'd be interested to get you yeah, the, the thoughts of you two on this, if those two are the wingers, how would you prefer to have that? Like Josh, you mentioned that, that you know, Cohen Vargas, you can play him on both sides. Is that what you would do? I, I, I would, I would probably lean towards going to Cohen Vargas on the right and Brandon Cambridge on the left, just for the, just for the byline threat. Oh man, I mean, what well, you're talking about probably inverting Brandon Cambridge then. Yeah, you know what? That is, that is. I'm but because he's but because he's so two footed, it yeah. you know you're inverting him, but you can still have the outside threat. I'm going to stick to our motto. Crowncast has a motto, and that is when it comes to Kerwin Vargas, he's better on the left. Um, <laughs> we we've had years to to discover that all of our wingers thus far are better on the left. So maybe we play them it's both true. on the left. 
Who knows? Uh, yeah. yeah. Double, I like double that. from the left. We're breaking. <laughs> has, anyone, has anyone heard of an overload? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am going to go ahead and stop us there because we are coming up on our time. But as ever, if you have decided to spend your time with us, admittedly a bit silly today, uh, we love you. Thank you so much. It's not just me. I have two fantastic gentlemen who come and do this with me. So thank you so much, Josh. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Ewan. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. And we will be sitting on our hands just like everybody else waiting for Charlotte FC to do something in the transfer market. And until that time comes or until next Wednesday, uh, good luck, I guess. May we sign someone interesting. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Goodbye.